Hi there, welcome to Mages and Murder Dads, episode 16. I'm Cameron. And I'm Danny. And today, we have a whole bunch, like a like an impossible amount, of Siege of Dragonspear content to talk about. Yeah. There was a, there was a group meeting, and they were trying to figure out, where's all this content we're, we need to do? Where does it need and, to be? And uh, there was this guy, Charles, on the development team. This is actual real life, and everybody loved Charles. And so Charles got Chapter 10, and uh, because of his just beloved status on the development team, he just, all of all the content, he just got, they, they divided up evenly, and then everybody gave, like, a plot to Charles, and that's, that's how we ended up with a, with a Chapter 10 that is roughly the size of the rest of the game. And so normally we would talk for about 10 or 15 minutes here at the beginning about cell phones or trolls or whatever, but we're going to get right into the content. Although I will note that the way you were talking about Charles, it seemed as if he had died. And I think that's very funny. <laughs> I mean, I guess sometimes I forget that this is actually a new game and not a game like released in the early 90s. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. He's not like a storied uh, video game veteran. I mean, most rather... developers from the 90s aren't with us anymore, right? No, they're all still with us. <laughs> They're all still doing stuff. Actually, oh, okay. they've, pro- they've probably burned out of the industry and are, are doing something uh, in software development. But but yeah, they're still around. Okay. Yeah, where do you think all those Kickstarters came from? Mm, I guess that money has to come from somewhere and go to somewhere. And that person is Charles. Yep. And that's an explanation of capitalism, kids. Ooh. A plus. Mm-hmm. Alienation. So you can follow us on Twitter, you can like us on Facebook, and a huge amount of people uh, liking and looking at stuff on Facebook for some reason. I like that, I can't, I can't complain. Uh, and here on YouTube, you could really help us out by hitting the like button on this video, it's a little thumbs up, and hitting the subscribe button if you haven't already. It would also really help us out if you could tell a friend. If each person that listened to this show told one other friend about this show, there would be probably more people who listened to it slash watched it so that's cool yeah and in there can you turn on notifications just like have it have it sent directly to your phone via text message every day oh yeah i saw that uh i saw that pewdiepie video Mm-hmm. you gotta you gotta turn on the notify me about everything that happens on this channel button mm-hmm. just make our channel your home page yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, if you could, <laughs> you get into the browser, you set set homepage. Mm-hmm. You put, but this video in particular, exactly. Not all of them. Mm-hmm. So, Danny, what the hell happened in all this content? Oh my gosh! So we finally get to the the namesake of that of the game. We get to the eponymous siege. We're in a siege now. Mm-hmm. We're sieging up Dragonspear. Yeah. Dragonspear is a castle, and we're sieging it. Okay. Keep keep going. Keep progressing. Yeah. And so we start in like a coalition camp where there's kind of, uh, you've got Baldur's Gate folks, you've got Water Davian folks, and you have like, is it Daggerford? Yeah. And Daggerford folks. Da- Daggerford, who, uh, the way Dagger- they say it. Daggerford. 
and uh, I've got a bunch of like little petty politics going on. I was very much insulted when I arrived, and they were like, "Oh, you're terrible for troop morale because everybody saw that you know you you make a Baldur's Gate logo on the bridge, and we don't like that." I think they were mad at me. That that's how the generals were angry at me. Mm-hmm. Like that that is the the guy from Waterdeep mm-hmm. uh, is, is like this kind of. Uh, uh, Roman De La Rose, uh, like hoity-toity knight kind of guy, mm. and yeah, he he was uh, acting that way for me. But there were also some civilians when I walked in that were like, "Hey, you did a real shit job at negotiating out there, buddy." Oh, and when uh, when you roll in Belgarm, like the the merchant that you've been dealing with mm-hmm. uh, throughout all the camps, hates your guts apparently. Yeah, he told me that like several episodes ago, though. Mm. Okay, maybe I just have not paid him attention, but yeah. So there's actually more than a few quests going on in the siege camp proper before you even get to the um, get to the plot of of like this area and what you're supposed to do. Um, let's uh, let's let's talk about just a few little things that you can do before we're tasked with our kind of plot relevant um, events. So, mm-hmm. what's going on in this camp besides the plot? Well, number one. Is uh, so so you come in so this camp is like massive, right? It's its own yeah. map. It's it's doing its own thing. There's all these different people running around. Uh, I think there's like a thousand plus troops, give or take. Oh no, maybe right at a thousand troops because Baldur's Gate has about three hundred and fifty, mm-hmm. and uh, Waterdeep brought three hundred and fifty, and then there's some like coalition forces outside of those two big armies. Mm-hmm. And I say that because. There's this awesome, and and I straight up love this. I wish that every game that featured a big uh, conflict would have some kind of little thing like this. So I'm wandering around, and I see this person yelling at some recruits. And so I uh, go up to the person, and I talk to them, and they're like, Hey, you're the hero of Baldur's Gate, Tickelvar. You need to help me train these troops. And so it was six little people. And I could talk to each of them and then tell them to, like, do something. I was like, you know, uh, attack your attack your training partner or whatever. And then they would do that, and you could give them advice about how to be better in, at doing whatever they want to do. And, hey, I think that's really cool. Like, because it, it allows you to kind of live out the, the role-playing aspect, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you get to be like, you, you know, Balthazar could be like, rend the hearts from your enemies. Mm. Right, because you get you get the ability to give them advice like that. Um, but even better, in my case, because I have a full party, my party members could, like, tag in. So Dinah here taught one guy. She was like, hey, you should be a mage. You, you It seems like you're good at memorizing things. That's what wizardry is all about. You should be a wizard. <laughs> That's, I mean, I mean... <laughs> this is not a deep system, but as far as, like, a storytelling mechanism... It's it's really I think it's really strong. There was one that was like uh, he was having a hard time fitting in. In Viconia is like, look, sometimes you don't need to find, to fit in. Sometimes you just need to kill people. And just be an asshole to everyone, and then everybody will like just say, "Oh, that's his character." See, there you go. <laughs> okay, yeah, okay. But that's so fun. that's that's like uh, I think uh, I think that's the only quest I did in this area. I I really kind of. Um, 
skimped out on uh, the siege camp. Yeah, I went pretty deep on the siege camp, and there are enough. There's enough stuff going on here that you we could probably make half of an episode about the siege camp, and we are not going to do that. But like, I did several, and in doing one of them that I'm not going to talk about, I put on those spectacles of uh, spectacle, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that we've talked about in a few episodes, and I thought that it was going to help me do this unrelated quest where you had to like find a traitor. Um, and I didn't find that, but I found like a ghostly apparition, which is like more in line with what the spectacles actually do. And there, and I pulled an air elemental, kind of a gen looking fellow, and it's just a merchant. And he was totally not upset about being pulled to the material plane. At first, I thought he was being sarcastic. He was like, "Oh, I've always wanted to be here. Things are so material." Um, not no joke. And he, but mm-hmm. he was not sarcasm at all. Apparently, like that hasn't gotten to the elemental plane of air. And he's just a gen merchant, and he is—he uh, sells some rad stuff. And the coolest thing he sells is a belt that just permanently gives you the luck effect, which is normally only accessible through a spell, and it lasts like only a few turns. And um, that effect's pretty cool because I think it kind of affects critical hit chance. And, like, the chances that you get critically hit. Mm -hmm. And that's just Balthazar's bread and butter. Because that's just how Balthazar, Balthazar, you know, he lives and dies by by making other things die. By living and dying. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... That's uh, that was kind of the cool the one of the cooler things I thought was in the so you, siege camp. So you bought that and plopped that thing right on you. Yeah, I bought it and plopped it, and uh, there's some other cool stuffs in there that just did not interest Balthazar, but would have probably interested Ticklevar. Yeah. So the the kind of major plot thing that we have to do here is that uh, these generals send. And by the way, I think these generals have really cool characterization, particularly the uh, the woman dwarf from Daggerford. Yeah, who's like the kind of a beleaguered minority and is getting pushed around because she didn't bring very many troops. Yeah, and she's like, oh, I just like there's a dialogue line where she's like, you brought 350 people, I brought 50 people, and I know all of their faces, and I know all of their names, and I know their families. Oh, and she's like, and I brought 10% of my city. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's like a huge, huge uh, commitment from Daggerford. I, yeah, I think the politics of this whole thing are really cool, but in the interest of time, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, what they want us to do is to go to the caverns beneath Dragonspear Castle mm-hmm. and to place an explosive barrel on a fault line so when you blow it up, it will do something to the castle. Yeah. It will basically like give us a method of ingress. And there was uh th- there's also this like underhanded ask from this general guy mm-hmm. to get you to poison all of their water and their food. Total warfare. Total warfare. And I was like, "No, I'm not doing that." And then he was like, "Well, what if I told you it will just make them very sick?" And I said, "All right, I'll think about it. I'll think about mm-hmm. making them very sick." Um, but yeah, and then I just went, went and like right to it because the next, the next chunk of contents took me five hours. Yeah, no, this is, it's really some massive amounts of stuff. So kind of the general, the general trend here is got the coalition camp. They say, go to the underground passage in order to get underneath uh dragon spear castle. 
Um, in order to get to the underground passage, there is this grove, and that's like that's like where you get to the underground pass- passage. But the grove, um, in the grove, there is a crusader camp, and there are like a few different things you could try to do in order to like get into the crusader camp to like get into the underground passage. That's kind of more or less it. So there's yeah. this intermediate zone with a bunch of stuff going on. But what is cool is that unlike a lot of chapters, previous chapters, like it feels like everything in this chapter somehow links to the overall ecosystem of the the like your quest and Dragon Spear and the Crusade, which is very different from the earlier chapter where you had the Dumathoin dwarves that just felt so totally alien to everything yeah right? yeah i have a kind of like uh narrative theory about this this um uh entire expansion here mm-hmm. where because you know i've kind of talked about like third through fifth edition uh D module design mm-hmm. and this is almost the exact linear progression of like small ecology that is uh related to itself slightly larger ecology that has some you know uh more interlinkages that would be last episode and now this episode is a massive ecology of like three interrelated maps and within those maps lots of different factions that are all impacting one another mm-hmm. like and i you know i think that's like the holy grail of D dm uh creative world building kind of stuff yeah uh, this entire chapter is a campaign and i think it does it like i think it it actually makes it, it executes work. yeah mm-hmm. yeah so the uh this um this crusader camp because balthazar has a strict no lying policy um i can't like sneak my way in there is i think a way to get into this crusader camp where you flash a crusader little icon Mm -hmm. um, a badge from maybe a crusader you had killed previously and you might be able to get yourself in but i like i i am I, I do not lie as my character, so that's just not an option open to me. There's a very large Cyclops that's helping to guard this Crusader camp. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So one of the ways you can get in, or at least try to get in with the help, are there, there's some druids that kind of are in with a quid pro quo, right? They, they, they want something, and you want their help to get into the into the underground cavern. Yeah, heck yeah. There, there's like a big tree, and they're they're like all wrapped up near it. I don't, I don't know, they're, like, called treed up or something. Mm-hmm. And I had to, like, dispel them. I had to use my, my combat ability on them. And, uh, yeah, they're like, hey, there's a druid down there. This There's a tree that grows here. The roots are in the cavern below. He's real mean, real jackass. Um, and so could you help us out? And I said yes. And so unbeknownst to me, like, I, so, you know, I go from there to that, um, that crusader uh, entryway thing. It's like a big gate. And they just start summoning spiders and shit everywhere, just like yeah, like flying everywhere. I didn't even start attacking the Crusaders. Whoa! They just start. It all started just going to shit without me, and then it went to shit with me. Damn. Yeah. So like along for the ride. You were just along for the ride. Whoa. Okay. So I was like, it was because like I went to the Crusader camp first, did the fight a few times, and I was like, man, I don't, I do not want to spend my last potion of speed on this fight. Because I only had one left, Dang. right? Um, and I was like, I'll, I'll look through the rest of the zone and see if there's like a different way that I can get in without lying. And I remember there's like a thing where the druids are like, look, if you promise to like help us, we'll help you get into the caverns. So 
when I tried it the second time, it made total narrative sense that these... Uh, so they're always constantly four spiders attacking. And when the enemies kill a spider or like a lion, there are a few different animals another one will spawn immediately, yeah. right? So you can just, like, be in the periphery and, like, kind of poke away at the at the Force of Crusaders, and they're constantly being, like, a, the, the force of attrition of these giant spiders gets them eventually. That's right. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. Um, there's another little thing going on. There's a lot of stuff in this, uh, in this grove, but there's another thing going on. There is an ogre tribe kind of on the opposite end of the map from the druids, and uh, its leader, whose whose name I believe is like Slug or Slag, Chief Slug, is uh, is missing. Has been kidnapped by the Crusaders, mm-hmm. and uh, the uh, and the missing leader's spouse named Murs is kind of grieving this leader. And there's a, a struggle, uh, kind of a power struggle going on within the tribe. They're trying to figure out who will be the new leader. And I say, well, hey, I'll, I'll help break out your, uh, your leader friend. But there's still like a, uh, like a power struggle. And they say, no, the, the person who leads ogre tribes must be like the strongest person. I'm like, well, I'm stronger than all of you. Oh, wow. And- really? So you just like punked them all out. And I said, I will fight on behalf of Murs, and if I win, Murs gets to lead the ogre tribe. So I beat the two other ogres, and Murs becomes the leader. And I say, well, look, if uh, if I break out your your spouse, then uh, you guys can can help us when the time comes against the crusade. And they're like, sure. So I do that, and. I, I end up seeing Chief Slag uh, down there later. So those are kind of like the stuff that I, the big stuff that I encountered kind of before we entered the camp. And I think we meet two non-Crusaders in that camp. Ooh, hold on really quick, though. That's yeah. really interesting because I never saw any of that ogre stuff outside. And then I saw the ogres later on and they're mm. like captured in cages. And I was like, what the heck is, what could that even be? Like, I yeah. was, like, spinning up some, like, internal narrative about the the crusade and why they would have all these ogres caged up. But no, there's just a quest, and I didn't do it. R- yeah. R.I.P. So, yeah, tell me about these uh, these non-crusader crusadens. So, what is the, what is their, uh, they're from a particular region yeah. of, of, uh, of Faerun? I don't know much about the geography here. Yeah, so, so we meet these two people called Riga and Julan. And Julan, no, Riga is uh, a man, and mm-hmm. he is like Minsk, and Julan is like uh, Dinah here. Mm-hmm. So, so they're all from Rashomon, uh, which is this kind of like, I don't know, like like Turkey maybe, like that's the kind of like flavor of it. Um, mm. w- within you know, like this is back in the day of the Forgotten Realms, being like. And here's the the fantasy Middle East, and here's fantasy China, and here, you know, like that. So Rashomon would be kind of the civilization that is like the buffer zone between the fantasy medieval stuff, that kind of the Tolkien-esque stuff, and kind of whatever foreign, more exotic, quote-unquote, lands lay beyond it. Yeah, exactly. Like, like... The, the orientalist imagination. Yeah, mm-hmm. like, there's a little bit of stuff that's, like, kind of Persian culture within their stuff, and then there's some that's Eastern Europey, and I actually, I don't know enough about it to, 
to have like the good hard stamp of of uh, how it fits. But yeah, that's the exact idea. It's it's a little bit of the east, a little bit of the west. It's, mm-hmm. it, it's 1981. There's no problems with this at all. Mm-hmm. That kind of thing. Yeah. Um. And so yeah. So she is a witch, and he is like a ber- berserker fighter kind of guy. And uh, yeah, they just they're just curious about the crusade. Like they're just they're just curious about this whole this whole operation. Mm. And so I immediately I was like, yo, you don't you don't want to be curious about this. This is like it's pretty bad, honestly. And then they're like, well, are you sure it's bad? And like in the middle of this, Dinah here and Minsk are having. There's like some um, really amazing and fun dialogue in here, and it'll it'll all be in the video, of course. Um, but eventually later, I had to bring them an object that proved without a doubt that the crusade was bad. And I'll talk about that when we get there, but I proved it to them. In the end, I proved it to them, and they went back home. They went back to Rashomon. Hmm. Because that's what he wanted to do the whole time. I talked to him in particular, and he was really sad because he missed his homeland. And she did not miss her homeland, but he is bound to her by this kind of like knightly uh, kind of um, blood bond, you know, a bond of duty or whatever. And so Mm. finally I sated her curiosity uh, about, about this part of the Sword Coast, and they decided to go back home to do something else, I guess. Yeah, so there is still, despite the fact that we've gotten so much more exposition... There is no good explanation behind the crusade. No. Right? None. There's this does not make sense on a fundamental level. Like the game has not like adequately described to me what ideology is being expressed by the crusade to warrant any attraction by anyone. It is like a marauding group of people with a quixotic like the the thing is, I don't even think like the average crusader even knows like what they're what the hell they're doing like this whole like demon thing right like the hell stuff mm, i don't think they know can i lay it out for you what i think is going on go for it yeah so far so kalar arjun the leader of the crusade has her number two in heffernan who's like mm-hmm. at this some um, at this point i'm assuming he is some sort of demon mm-hmm. or a dragon one of those two things they have their own particular mission here where they are claiming that they are going to come to Dragonspear Castle to go into hell and then get mm-hmm. out all those souls that were taken during the Dragonspear Wars. Mm-hmm. If you're an average rando, I think there are a couple reasons you might want to join in on that. One, they burned your village down. So it's kind of a might makes right, kind of, you know, just becoming part of the, you know, you join us or you die. So I think mm. I think there's gang pressing involved here. Mm-hmm. Number two, your family was killed in the Dragon Spear Wars, or taken into hell, and we we've actually met some NPCs that say that kind of thing. Yeah, they um, have a personal stake. Yeah, exactly. And then three, um, I think there are groups that are invested in just power changing in the North. And so I think those people just want Kalar Argent to win to get rid of the kind of like overreach of Baldur's Gate and the overreach of Waterdeep and that kind of thing. These are the Faerunian Leninists. They're like, we need to smash the status quo. It does not. It doesn't matter like what shape that smashing takes. Like Kalar Argent is that you know force right now. These are kind of the accelerationists, I guess. Mm-hmm. But you got to win. And, 
Yeah, you've got to win, and that also explains like the appeal to a lot of disenfranchised demi-humans mm-hmm. within Faerun. It's like, well, well, of course they're going to get behind anything that ruins the status quo. That being said, all of those explanations, totally untenable for Riga and Julan, right? No, not a single one of those These, things makes sense. Riga and Julan are the worst of any type of person that gets associated. They're just fucking adventurous. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what they are, and I fucking killed them for that. Whoa, really? I murdered them both. You were just like, nope, not worth it. Yeah. Did you they, get that good sword? Oh my god, that sword's so fucking awesome. <laughs> yeah, they, so yeah, so when I said, hey, you might want to, like, it's bad here, you might want to go home. And they were both like, okay, I guess I guess we'll go home. Um, they were like, well, he has a new sword, so you can have this, you can have this sword. And it's like, I want to know what the new sword is. Well, I don't know, but I, I mean, I'm assuming it's the same item. It's like a plus two, two-handed sword that's plus three against something. No, no, it's a, it's a dragon sword. It's plus three static, and the, if it's wielded by a barbarian or a berserker, mm-hmm. um, you have a plus 10% chance to get a critical hit if you're raging. Yeah, 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 no, this this is the one that uh, the one that we got. Yeah, phenomenal. It's like it's the best sword in the game for a barbarian. So, very happy with my decision. Well, I'm 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 sorry that mm-hmm. happened. Dining here <laughs> and uh, Minsk also are on the same thing because their whole quest, right? Mm-hmm. Like like it's a cultural quest, and they leave their homeland to. I think it like you basically like follow the vagaries and and will of the sorceress or witch, whatever she is. To, like, see great power. So the reason that they're here is to see a ball spawn. And I don't Hmm. think I had the option to be like, hey, I am one. GGFO. I had to be like, Kayla Argent is not important. Don't worry about it. Whoa. Yeah, it was a weird... That's really... This is also a strange cultural institution that we're touching on, right? It's kind of like... It's obviously not an everyman... Um, institution Mm-mm. in in Rashomon, right? This is like for very the elite, I guess. Right? Is you you pair up in these strange like a simpleton and a and a sorceress pair up? Well, no. <laughs> well, the other guy is not. He's like Minsk has been bludgeoned about the head, and that's like mm-hmm. his gear. This other guy is like he has. You have full conversations with that guy about things, mm-hmm. and he's not talking about. Space miniature or giant anything. space hammers yeah yeah okay. yeah i mean minsk I, I, like i think in the in the world of of uh Baldur's Gate, minsk has a mental disability that is hmm. completely treated as like a comedy thing and it is funny in the way that it is written but like the, this character pairing reveals that this is not <laughs> like everyone else is not like him right mm, who, who, okay who does his job mm-hmm. um so, which is, I guess, an interesting uh, bit of uh, context that we never no. get anywhere else, right? No, but really interesting uh, characters. So, once you like, once you talk to those folks and you, like all the other uh, all the other beings in the Crusader camp is dead, you can go into the underground caverns proper, and this is just like. The most D and I know we've said this probably a dozen times. You'll have to make a super cut of every time we say the most D and D ass shit. It, it, um, it really is, but you know what? Like, there's more D and D esque stuff that happens in Baldur's Gate two that that I was flashing back to, but forward to, I guess. Mm-hmm. And I think this will be an interesting thing to talk about in the future as well. 
Yeah. No, I mean, also, uh, like, and, I, and I'm thinking even further, like, the more recent things uh, that these developers have probably had their hand in, but, like, Icewind Dale 2, right? When, we, I don't know if you played much of it, but Mm-mm. it had these similar mega dungeon with, like, uh, it's not even a dungeon because there's also, like, town in there, and it's just, like, it's er- everything and and more, right? Just chalked into this one area. But this is a, a full-fledged underground cavern with a trade kind of logistics ecosystem because you have the crusaders like doing a lot of transport of supplies in this through this area. You have kind of a natural element to it. You have actual fauna um kind of living their life in this ecosystem being touched by the crusade you meet some like real strange characters that are kind of like they just live there um, and they're dealing with their relationship to the crusade too it's some um, really interesting world building and like D ass stuff in the in the best way i think yeah i think i did maybe 60 percent of the content here like here at Mages and Murder Dads, we try to be full completionists, but like just within the constraints of time that we had, I mean, this is around the holidays. This is a this is a weird episode that we're recording, but I, also I don't even know if I have the stamina to like try to one hundred percent these caverns. I feel like it would have taken me five six hours just to do this part. So it's actually really interesting because I do after I finish a chapter, I'll look through a walkthrough. Just to like, oftentimes to even when I'm when we're writing the document for the episode, just to make sure I get the names right, mm-hmm. right, you know, and um, and it's really interesting because most of the walkthroughs, chapter ten has like three sections of the walkthrough, whereas every other chapter has one. Like, and it just speaks to like how if there there's another universe where we split up the chapter as coalition camp grove and then cavern the rest of the chapter right yeah Mm -hmm. but uh but yeah tons of stuff going in there and like the first decision you have to make is like how are you interacting with the crusaders here balthazar never has to really lie when he goes through here they just kind of ignore balthazar yeah it's a really strange i get why they would make this design decision but it's really strange so when you're outside directly outside of this cave entrance is the the camp that you kind of murder your way through and you can pick up uh, a little sigil that's like you know sigil of the the crusade or whatever Mm -hmm. and you walk in and i guess you got like you know you stapled that to your shirt or something because no one ever asks you about it and when you talk to people you don't have to be like i'm a crusader uh because i just kind of assume you are because else why else would you be there and and so yes you can do like some weird stuff you can like volunteer to move grain did you do that no. Yeah, apparently you can, like, I started the question, did not complete it, but you can, like, there, there's, like, a whole chest full of grain, and you just put it all in your inventory and walk over to another chest and put the grain in it. No, I'm very, like, as as much as I think a lot of people would imagine Balthazar and Danny uh, being, you know, a power gamer and a power gamer character, mm-hmm. I'm very much RP in that... I am not going to help the crusade do anything, right? Sure. And there's you can actually go to Dragonspear. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't do this, but if you collect that thing and go into Dragonspear, you can apparently like do quests for them in there. And there's like content in Dragonspear Castle during this chapter. You can just right? join them. Yeah, <laughs> who knows, right? Hmm. But I'm like I'm total I'm totally 
against that stuff. So I did not like interact with the crusade at all um, as much as like as little as I possibly could just to like do my job here, which is like sabotage. That's what your job is. It's like terrorism. Yeah. And so you're able to, since you can just walk past them, they're like doing things all throughout this massive cavern system. And they just never bother you if you don't bother them. And yeah. so you just like kind of get to do other stuff like talk to the Sahagwin. How do you say those dudes name? I think you got to get some phlegm in there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That seems wrong. But they're big lizard people. They're going to show up uh, <laughs> several million more times between now and the end of, of the Baldur's Gate franchise for us. Mm-hmm. And the Crusader dude, he was like, hey, look, we've been trying to move these supplies, but these uh, these lizard people, lizard folk, are in our way. See what you can do. And like, I got to go through there anyway, right? So mm-hmm. so I'm I'm walking through there. And what did you do here? It's two of them. They're standing there. They won't let you pass. So I didn't talk to anybody before I went in there. I just went in there and they're like, hey, you can't come in here. And and I said, well, I'm coming through here. Like, what what do you want me to do? And one of them suggested, well, maybe if you tell us a story. Yeah. And I made up a story. And it was a story about me killing Saravok. And at the end, I'm like, and that man was me. (laughs) Yeah, I, I, so yeah, so you, you, you kind of get three ways of telling the story, and one's like a, a nicer, like two brothers separated on two destinies and forced to kill each other, right? Like mm-hmm. that kind of thing. And one of them is like uh, you're telling them a campfire story, <laughs> and because uh, there's one line that's something like they ask you a question, you're like. Well, I don't know what, but I'll tell you what I thought. And they could be like, whoa, it's you. Whoa. <laughs> but yeah, once you, call, once you tell them a fun story, they're like, all right, thank you. Yeah. And, and they leave you alone. And they give you like a, like they just drop a, a weapon of some kind that yeah. just went into my bag of holding to be identified and sold at a later period of time. But fun little time. Mm-hmm. And in that same room. Um, so I used my spectacles of spectacle or whatever the hell they're called. Mm. And I found a, a rock Sasha. Rock, mm-hmm. rock Sasha, is that how you say them? Tiger guy. Yeah, they're like uh, um, like a, a demon, I guess, within D&D. Yeah. Even though they're based on a, a real uh, Indian uh, religious, um, well, mythological. Not quite sure. Not not quite sure. Somewhere in, in the middle there. Mm-hmm. Um, idea. So there, uh, um, yeah. He he was like, "Hey, I want to ask you a riddle. I'm gonna ask you." He's like, he was like, "I could murder the shit out of you right now, but let's riddle it up." And I was like, "All right." So he asked me some like terrible riddle where the answer was bees, and I knew the answer was bees, but I had Dinah here answer it for me anyway. Mm. I, I like using that little party dynamic thing. Oh, fun! And so he gave me a Modron heart. Oh, cool. Yeah. Oh, it gives me advantage on, uh, or not advantage, but like an additional saving throw, an additional attack bonus against chaotic enemies. Boom. That's what it does. Ooh. It's awesome because Modrons, if people don't know what Modrons are, they are the perfect expression of order. Mm-hmm. And they come from a like pocket plane, basically. Well, it's not pocket plane, but it's its own plane of law like uh, yeah like a complete axiomatic law and they're like it's all like automatons and and it's all like kind of the perfectly wound watch that's always like the symbol that stuck with me Mm -hmm. right and he's like Mm -hmm. a big uh they're the ruler of the place like a big square or a big cube (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah. It's yeah. pretty sweet. But yeah, anyway, Modron Heart, dope stuff. Yeah, and then kind of later in the caverns, I opened a door, and like, you know, every time you see a door, you quick save. And I just opened a door, and like, this cutscene starts, and I thought I died. I thought I opened the door, and like, a trap went off, right? Because like, um, a bunch of explosions went off. But there were these drow fighting... And this, these are the first drow, I believe, we really met, aside from Vaconia, mm-hmm. fighting with the Crusaders. And I'm like, sweet, great. Um, and uh, they kind of call a detente and start talking, and you, and you, the protagonist, like, interjects into their conversation. Well, yeah, you, so you, like, jump in, and uh, you, you kind of find out, like, this is, it's, it is a clumsy way of introducing the story, but they're like, look... We're just here in these caverns looking for two youths that ran away. Two two drow youths. Drow tweens. Go find them tweens, is what they said. Mm-hmm. And so, did you go find the, the the young lovers? Oh, I didn't even get that far. They were like, yeah, we're fighting. And I was like, I have no dog in this. Keep going. And they just kept fighting, and I walked away. Dang. Well, I was like, all right, stop. I'll go find your teens. Why would I want to? Because I fe- I looked at it and I was like, the drow are probably going to win because like dark elves in general, like the a dark elf mushroom farmer is like level twelve. Yeah, that's just the way Dungeons and Dragons works, right? <laughs> yeah, it's harder life down there. <laughs> it's a harder life down there. So um, I was looking. I was like, well, at least those are like five more, like a dozen, you know, fewer crusaders. I won't have to kill later. Oh, right, but that could be the first of a anyway. <laughs> well, you can find the teens, and mm-hmm. I went to find them. And whoever wrote this quest um, has such a great understanding of the Drow and Drow society, and I'm really, really uh, impressed with the whole thing. And mm-hmm. people don't know Drow are these—they're uh, dark elves. They live deep below the ground. They are lawful evil, right? They're lawful mm-hmm. evil. They're just no, mean, no. They're uh, they're chaotic evil because Loth is chaotic evil. Oh, so they're just evil as shit. They're just the worst kind of evil that D and D can produce. The Drow society is really interesting. So there's some like elements where it's a matriarchal mm-hmm. society. It's steeped in religious rituals. So the you know the 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 women that rule Drow society are are kind of religious figures. They're heads of houses. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have kind of like a, a European thing going on there. But they're also um, priestesses and you also have because their deity is a chaotic evil deity there's a societal expectation of betrayal and a celebration of betrayal so when like it's one of those things where you just know that you're constantly under like a, a target for a coup if you are like in any position of leadership and like People, like, the society at large is going to, like, applaud whoever sticks a dagger in your back. Yeah, they're going to love it. Yeah. It's amazing. It's awesome. I mean, it's really not, it's, like, deeply horrifying, but... uh, I mean, it's kind of, like, the only thing I can think of that's, like, close to it is it's it's very strange. It's almost kind of like a a Bioshock... kind of randian thing meets mm-hmm. kind of it's it's some really weird stuff that doesn't like if you if you think about it too hard you'll give yourself an aneurysm right because there's just no way that you could form this level of organization with that level of betrayal like you need a certain level of trust in a society to even function but uh, it, it, it's still compelling that's what makes mm-hmm. it fun yeah it's deeply imaginative and mm-hmm. so 
So all of those systems that, that Danny just talked about come to play in this like little, I would say, less than 40 lines of text total. So mm-hmm. you find these teens, and um, it's like a young, low, lowborn, so like from a lower house of whatever uh, Dark Elf City they're from, um, male, and then a very highborn uh, female. And she, so it's like this kind of like uh, Romeo and Juliet, but if she's incredibly domineering and he's just having to do whatever she says <laughs> because mm. he'll be executed if he doesn't. Yeah. And, and so he's like, uh, so, you know, I'm like, Hey, you should go back, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, I guess I'll go back if, if I have to. And he's like, but if I go back, I'll die. I'll get killed. And then she's like, we're going back. And he just does it because he has mm-hmm. to. Yeah. And so it's like that entire encapsulation of this like uh, fiction of drow society in this like really tight um, little exchange. I just like I thought it was really well written, and the 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 quote unquote lore of D anD D was was really well inserted into that. So they went back, and uh, the drow were you know they're good to their word, I guess. And mm-hmm. so they gave me they they left, and they gave me a treasure. And it was unidentified. And so I identified that treasure. And it is a pair of gloves that when you put them on, they bind your hands together. And it summons a hooked horror. (laughs) So the treasure they gave me was going to make me unable to do anything and summon a giant monster made of claws (laughs) to kill me. And I thought that that was also very, like, on brand for the drow. Oh, that's perfect. Mm-hmm. So I applaud whoever did that. Great work. Yeah, I think, uh, and I don't want to get too deep in the weeds, but it, it is just worth worth like uh, mentioning when it comes to drow culture. There is an element where if you value, if like chaotic evil is kind of like your, the starting point for your civilization, you do have to have things like contracts and agreements because otherwise you would never be able to betray anybody, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it is its own, like, it has to subvert its own system, because otherwise there's no such thing as a subversion. But, yeah, no, that sounds really fun. I'm, I'm, maybe I should have actually found those kids, but it was, it, was, it was fun, like, seeing the combat text of that battle scroll as I explored the rest of the, the map. Tune into Drow Hour every <laughs> third Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Right here on the um, channel. We before we get to kind of place in the explosive barrel, the most important character in basically the second half of this game is Bellow Gulp Bluefingers and the Concoctor, his his buddy the Concoctor. It's a it's a deep gnome that like liquefies up out of the ground, and a mu- his mushroom buddy comes up with him. And I talked to him. He's like, "Yeah, boy, howdy, dealing with like uh, flesh to stone. That's some real hot stuff. That's dangerous." And I said, "You selling anything, man?" And he's like, "Oh, I'm I'm selling something." And he sold me ten potions of speed. That's and the that's, the that's most a, valuable the, object in the Forgotten Realms. That is the that is the only currency that matters to Balthazar. With with a potion of speed and a potion of power, ba- Balthazar is unstoppable. He's like a DC intern with with a, a limitless supply of coke. Like any any law can be written, any any enemy can be slain. My God. Mm-hmm. So we we were sent here to place this damn explosive barrel, and yeah. you, you got to use this like completely shit object. <laughs> yeah, and it's like oh, it's a, it's a fucking dowsing rod. 
And you, just anytime you stop, it's going to like be like, oh, go west, go north, go east, go mm-hmm. go to hell. <laughs> yeah. And Most eventually it just leads you somewhere, and you click, and you place the stupid barrel. Mm-hmm. I hate this. <laughs> I, I don't understand why it exists. I don't understand why that dousing... Like, I get that that's, like, fun design or whatever. Conceptually, I don't think mm-hmm. in practice it is fun design. I think it's very boring. Well, another thing you could do is just be given a map, and it could have just been a little point on your map, like, even in the unexplored darkness, right? Yes. You know, yep, that's about where you need to be. Yeah. Or it could be, like, look for a big crack in the fucking ground. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's where the that's... crack is. Yeah. Um, hmm. Fun stuff. So we did that. And uh, did you see how the, the place in the barrel pays off later? Yes. Okay. We'll talk about it. We'll talk mm-hmm. about it in the next episode. In the next episode of Mages and Murder Dads. But, um, mm-hmm. but it does pay off. Just not, not for right now. Our, uh, our good friend, the Hooded Man, decided to mean mug us one more time. I don't know why. From like across the way. From across the way, saying, oh, you're so, all your buddies, you got a whole army, and you're down here skulking around. I'm real disappointed. I'm like, get out of my face. I don't care. I li-. This is the thing. I think the game thinks that this guy's like a, a real dramatic import to me as a character. This guy is a nuisance. He's just, uh, he's little better than a noober. He's just showing up. <laughs> he's pulling that baby boomer classic move. <laughs> Of, oh, Chicklevar, you don't own a house. Oh, Chicklevar, you're bankrupt in the napkin industry. Oh, Chicklevar, you don't buy diamond rings like your parents did. Why don't you do that? And I say, look, hooded man, you messed up these realms. <laughs> Two dragon spear wars in ten years? You're telling me that's my fault? You're telling me that the pollution of the material plane? You're telling me that's my fault? No way, old man. That's not my fault. We gotta make a new world. I'm the hero. And then and then you went away. Vote belt. Belt 2020. Belt 2020. You got to look. <laughs> hope and change belt. Um, There's one thing I think you did down here that I, I missed, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Is there a dragon down here? You talking about dragon? Yeah. Is there a dragon? Yeah. Uh, so there's this <laughs> thing called Candle Glim. It's like a... Well, at some point in in the previous Siege of Dragonspears episodes, I have read a book in the game that told me that beneath Dragonspear Castle there was a dragon that was uh, the companion of the person who built Dragonspear Castle originally. Mm -hmm. I don't remember that person's name, and I don't remember where I read that book, but I do remember doing that. And so you meet, outside of this little tomb thing, you meet a uh, ghost dragon. Mm Mm-hmm. So I see this ghost dragon and uh, ask me all these questions or whatever to get by it. And basically I was like, yo, uh, I found your eggs in this other room. They're a bunch of like evil, weird little crap dragons. And they were hmm. bad. And then I killed them. And, the, <laughs> and this dragon's like, thank God you killed my kids. <laughs> oh, like to be dead is one thing. To, to be dead with uh, mutant children is, oh, that's the worst basically is what this uh, dragon tells me yeah and so uh so i i get in i go past this guardian i go to uh slightly below it uh through this cavern and uh there's a cult there's a undead cult or a, a cult of mages who were raising the undead 
and uh, I just went straight up Balthazar on them. Oh, yes. Like, I didn't stop to talk to them. I didn't figure out what was up. I saw them taking slaves and converting them into undead. You don't started, need to overthink this. I just started skull trapping them and fireballing <laughs> them. Boo, 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 boo. And then I died a couple times trying to kill the second group. But then, so I just fireballed them from off screen. And uh, here's the best part. One of them drops, like, uh, the vial that controls the ghost dragon. Whoa. The ghost dragon just came and slayed them. Just pow, 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 killing them. Getting them, getting them good. I'm telling you, this game can sometimes just... And this is a credit to the writing... Sometimes if you just go by instinct, it, like, makes total sense. Well, yeah, right? you, see, you see people doing that kind of thing. It's not going to be good. Yeah. You're not going to find out that they were, like, resurrecting people to clean up litter. Yeah. If anything, you can always just assume people are up to no good. Because, like, a lot of these games are, like, pretending somebody's good. But, oh, you find out they're actually bad. So, yeah, pessimism that's... works. Um, and so, I, I like rifled through their stuff and found out of course they're working for Heffernan and so this is what I brought to the uh, the other uh, Rashimi um, the witch mm. and the protector to be like yo Heffernan is real bad y'all mm-hmm. so that's what I did also killed that druid to help those druids out and that, that took a little bit of time for me to do but mm-hmm. uh, it was worth it hashtag worth it no, hashtag, totally. they gave me a club that is plus three against unnatural enemies did you get that uh, amulet that summons onk eggs? I, I did. I haven't used it yet, though. Yeah, that's that's going to be a rainy day amulet. Mm-hmm. But anyway, you get down to the bottom here, and there's a few things you go through. You, like, free that uh, ogre chief. You, you you meet some other ogres that are, that are, you know, really contemplating the nature of work as they operate an elevator. Eventually, you get down to, like, the very bottom i guess or the top i guess which is the bottom of the castle so it's like the castle basement um we've been like in the sub basement and i go up and i uh i spy on heffernan a little bit did did you uh did you uh see what heffernan was up to down in the bottom no so i went up and there was like some guy there and he Mm -hmm. was like yo what's up and i was like hey buddy i'm with the crusade i have a badge and he was like look he literally said he was like Everybody here has a badge. That's why we're here. We have the badge. So who the hell are you? So I had to attack him. And uh, it's actually really interesting what happened to me then. So I basically had a couple minutes to like run around and do some stuff before Heffernan showed up. Mm. And uh, I could never beat Heffernan and his two additional mages. And so I just ended up running away and avoiding all of that. But before I, before I did that, I talked to a little bitty troll. And his name was Bjarn. And Whoa. he was hungry, and he said, "And I said, hey, dude, take that food. Take that food and run. This shit is bad.' Yeah, he was a little cute little dude, and he was, hope- he spoke common. Damn, which, which is really weird, right? Maybe are trolls sentient? Have I been killing sentient creatures this whole time? I don't know, dude. It's, it, what are doppelgangers? People, look, you can ask questions all day. Mm. Doesn't do, the, the answer to that question doesn't matter when their fucking paws are wrapped around your goddamn throat. Mm-hmm. And talk at the end about of the their sentience all day. At the end of the day, you gotta solve problems. You can't ask questions. <laughs> you do. You do. Um, no, I I rolled up into Heffernan's room, and him and those two fellows were skyping with a malevolent being. Well, what kind of malevolent... Because we've seen Heffernan's chambers before in a vision, but what kind of malevolent being? 
it is a being that wants to desperately be freed, right? Mm. So, like, what I piece together from that conversation is the real reason Heffernan's helping Kalar invade hell is he's just trying to open a gateway to hell to let this thing out. That sucks. To let this voice out. That's bad. And I found out also the reason why Heffernan sought Kalar out is he thought that Kalar's blood would be sufficient to do it. But they've already tried to open the portal with Kalar's blood, and Kalar's, like, divine blood is too diluted to open that portal. Thus, the ball spawn thing. Thus, like, the reason why you are important. This is some real, that's some major plot information that I would never have gotten. I mean, I guess I'll get it when there's a reveal of some sort. Man, I can't believe you didn't see this combo. No, I did not. How uh, did you interact with Heffernan and his two buddies? Because I saw them comes, in the... He comes back into the room, if you wait a second. Like, into that first little vestibule room. Oh. Mm-hmm. He walks walks toward you. Oh, and, it... and by the way, I was never able to poison anything because I was too busy running away. So I didn't do that part. Okay, so once I did poison both the, the water and the uh, and the food... Because uh, the crusade's bad. Don't need to think about that anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, But yeah, if you do that before, everybody goes on alarm. But um, for some reason, I was just able to get to Heffernan's room. And that was, yeah, some real stuff. There was a, uh, a dwarf in that room in Heffernan's chamber mm-hmm. uh, that uh, was a spirit. He was the person that built the castle. And they had imprisoned him there after they saw that ghost, he, the malevolent uh, force in Heffernan, like spying on him. And like the ghost, like told me, a, dropped a bunch of info on me um, in terms of like what their plan was. He's like, yeah, I've overheard him. And eventually, I like snuffed out the the wards around him and like let him go off to spirit land. Mm, yeah, uh, the the undead cult that I uh, messed with, after I killed them, a giant crack appeared in the ground, and a uh, hole directly to the fugue plane opened up. Whoa. And I, like, messed up another quest I was doing. You're supposed to throw people's bodies into the fugue plane. <laughs> I'm not even kidding, and I kind of messed it up there doing that. But, so this this place is, like, tightly bound to, uh, to all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, you... Um... Once you complete your mission and you head back, all everything's going uh, okie dokie, okie dokie at first, and you and you find out, hey, Kalar, the, or like I don't know, how is it that you inter- interact? Because you you roll up on the negotiation as it's taking place. Like there's a negotiation in Dead Man's Pass mm-hmm. that is happening, and you just walk into it. And they're like trying to negotiate by being like, "Well, you could just surrender the ball spawn, and we'll we'll you know surrender more or less." Yeah, she's like straight up. We just want your blood, bro. We just mm-hmm. want ball spawn blood. And so the guy from Waterdeep is like, "Well, maybe we could give up the ball spawn." And the the person from Baldur's Gate is like, "Well, that sounds bad because he's like our bro, right?" And uh, there's also some pragmatics, some Mm -hmm. pragmatics here because they're like, we don't we might that might be a weapon like that might be bad for us, irrespective of whether it's right or wrong to give up the ball spawn. It might just be like imprudent to do so Mm -hmm. tactically disadvantageous. Mm -hmm. Um, But but I really like the uh, um, the the dwarf uh, leader woman where she's like, no, we got to give him up because I don't want anybody to die. Mm. And and ultimately, I was like, I don't think I want to go. 
I'm like, I don't, <laughs> I don't think that's my my jam over there. I think my jam is over here being the hero of Baldur's Gate, not the like number three to Heffernan. So this is the weirdness of this negotiation to me, is I feel like I have the most damning like experience having overheard Heffernan. I, I beat him within an inch of his life before he used deus ex machina magic to get away, right? Mm-hmm. And I kill his two bros. I've like been in his room. I went through his desk, yo. You know? Mm-hmm. And I'm here in a negotiation not 20 feet from Kalar, and I have no option to drop any of that information. Yeah. I mean, which is really weird, right? Because in Baldur's Gate, historically, and in the previous game, it was a big plot device going through people's desk and then showing off the stuff you found. Like, yeah. I, that was the whole Saravok plot line. Mm-hmm. Like, yo, I've read this dude's diary. Here it is. Hmm. Yeah, so yeah. That, that, so it probably felt less stilted to you because you didn't even have that information. Well, no, because I was able to be like, hey, this dude was running an undead cult out of your basement. <laughs> Did you know that? And he's That's like, true. don't worry about it. Like, Heffernan is literally like, don't don't listen to that. Don't worry about that stuff. Did you say that? Yes. Because <laughs> I had the option. I wonder if maybe if you'd done both, if you get Ooh. like very strong hate. Shut Interesting. Ups. Yeah, or something. Okay. I don't know. But I agree. Yeah. It, it is it is a weird um an adventure game design. Uh you call them uh you know, where like plot threads resolve back into one another. Mm-hmm. Uh, you call them pinch points. Mm-hmm. This is a weird pinch point. Okay. Yeah. But irrespective of what happens, um, the negotiations will fail one way or the other. There is no like way to surrender yourself to Kalar. So no matter how the conversation turns, negotiations break down and there's some threats about a fight. And when you get back to the coalition camp, um, it is on. Like there is a like the coalition camp is being tar- like attacked by Kalar's crusader troops, and what follows is I think a really cool uh, little fight sequence, series of fights that I think the mechanics of them are are pretty fun, and I liked it. Yeah, this is just like there's three lanes basically. There's a, a left lane, a top lane, and a, a right lane, mm-hmm. and the attackers come in waves. And each wave is a particular type of troop, and you've got, like, some reserves in your pocket. And Mm. those reserves are actually based on some of the stuff you've done previously in this expansion. Yeah, yeah. So, um, if you recall, uh, if you helped the dwarves of Dumathoin out, you've got some little dwarven troops. And I think that they... I did uh, a few of the fights, like, um, once, two or three times, and... When I switched to the dwarves on the troll, like the very first troll fight on the uh, kind of the western mm-hmm. lane, uh, they just cleaned up. Like they're really good at killing trolls. Yeah, I use the so you you have some fire archers, you have some wizards, you have wizard slayers, and then I had the dwarves of Dumathoin. That's all I had. I had the uh, assassins too, right? Oh yeah, I had those as well. Where did you get? Mm-hmm. Uh, where did we get them from? Uh, they were just kind of there. They're like oh, okay. the, the secret service. Of I was the trying to remember. So, fist. so you didn't have um, whatever other group that you had negotiated with earlier in this mission. Yeah, the ogres were not there. Mm. They will make an appearance in the next chapter. Okay, that's why I wondered because uh, remember we talked about like that weird orc ra- racism that happened about those people mm. hating orcs, like the irregulars, mm. and I thought maybe they would show up here. 
Yeah. Um, but yeah, I haven't played into the next chapter to see if other people show up again yet. But when you kind of finish the three lanes, uh, there's kind of a mega fight of like, and the two groups that you did not use in the lane uh, section will come with you to the mega fight. So it's actually really interesting because the mega fight can probably go very differently depending on the last two that you did not pick for the lane phase. Yeah, I had maybe the worst group possible <laughs> for this. I had my own party. I had the dwarves of Dumathoin, who were awesome and basically did the whole fight by themselves. And then I had mm-hmm. the thieves, mm. who went invisible and just died. <laughs> yeah. I think I might have fireballed them to death on my own, though. I That's do, the I, issue. Is I, the friendly yeah. fire problem with the thieves is really bad. I do a lot of fireballing to my own uh, party, my own mm-hmm. team. Uh, like, Mintz gets hit with hundreds of fireballs per play session. Oh, totally. Yeah. yeah. No, I believe it. But um, so cool little fight. Kind of a unique little enemy model on that fight, too. Mm-hmm. There's like, he's like um, a big buff kind of generally dude. Oh, totally. A demi-human yeah, of some sort. Yeah. And uh, so that's a, a challenging little fight. Would you say that was the hardest fight from uh, from this chapter? No. No? What was the hardest fight? I think the hardest fight was... Um, uh, the wizards uh, of, of the dark cult before I cheese them by shooting them from off screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I have a, my party yeah. has a very hard time with a bunch of wizards because I have to play it for real, which is, mm-hmm. you know, like a bunch of wizard on wizard combat. And that's just hard. That's hard to do. Yeah. I mean, I guess about Bal- the issue with Balthazar is bar- like the barbarian rage takes care of so many different status effects mm-hmm. that if I can just like get in and like hit you once and get the spell spell failure once you're toast right so i imagine with enough wizards if like one wizard can stay long enough alive long enough to like get all the spells cast that he needs to defensively it might be a problem but that hasn't been that big of a problem yet Hmm. Hmm. Mm-hmm. well you remember uh ski yeah I, I forgot about her for this entire chapter. <laughs> yeah, you you find out at the beginning. Ski took off towards the castle, and I like went over. I went through um, a zone we did not talk about today, which is Dead Man's Pass, which is just a trash mob zone. It's just a gr- and like I don't think uh, Kunzman went through it at all. But you have to not. go through that. Then you get to the Dragon Spear Castle, and like on the outskirts of the castle, you find her under attack, and you 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 kill her assailants, and you tell her you need to you need to go back. And she's just a spoiled brat, and that's the that's what happens. It's true. And you should uh, follow me on Twitter. You should like this show on Facebook. And uh, you should like and subscribe here on YouTube. And then that's it. That's all you should do. Tell a friend. Tell an enemy. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I guess you'll uh, listen to this again in two weeks. I mean, you're going to listen to this every day because this is your homepage now. Is this almost done? Are we almost done with Siege of Dragon Spear? Um... So I think it's really interesting because in terms of like before this chapter, there was like a lot of game left. Mm-hmm. But um, so there's a chapter 10 and then there's a. Yeah, I don't know how much game is left really. Right. I think that there's a finale after this. Mm. Well, we'll play it by ear. We'll, we're going to find out. Yeah, we're, we'll look. I mean, next. I, I feel like there's a very good chance that next episode we wrap up the game content, and maybe we'll have a, a fun like thing to do after the game content's wrapped up. Maybe we'll we see. will. Mm-hmm. All right. Goodbye. All right. Ciao. So says the wise Alondo.